Canada, let's take a trip across the pond this week and go over to Indonesia. And now I haven't been into Indonesia in a long time and I love it there. It's so much fun. And I am really interested in checking out the crypto landscape over in Asia. So I have invited Peng Shui Kai to the podcast today. He is the CEO of Toko Crypto. Thank you so much for joining us, Kai. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me for today's podcast. I'm doing well. Thanks. I also should probably mention that this is the Hacker Noon podcast and my name is Amy Tom. So thanks so much for tuning in. Hacker Noon podcast. Today, Kai, I want to ask you a few questions about what it's like with the crypto landscape in Indonesia. So to start off, I have a few questions for you. Have you been to America before, first of all? Yes. Yeah, I've been to America when I was a lot younger, a couple of times. My parents have a few close family friends in America. I've been to San Francisco. I've been to Reno. Yeah, I think those are the two places that I still remember. But that was like really long time ago. I really liked it there. The weather was very nice. And yeah, I had a, had a good time. Okay. I ask because I'm wondering what your level of knowledge is of the crypto industry in America versus what it's like in Indonesia? To my knowledge, I think definitely in in America. I think, okay, so I think the underlying fundamental difference is that in Indonesia, crypto is regulated under the Commodities and Derivatives Agency, while and in America, it's, it's regulated under the uh, totally different agency. So... As an asset being as, as a commodity, the fundamental regulations that surrounds it is very much different from how America would regard it. In a sense, it's there's perhaps more leeway for business players to really explore in terms of regulatory partnership because it doesn't fall under the the equivalent of the SEC in, in America. Yeah, so I don't know the full extent of America's, I guess, America's regulations, but in Indonesia at least, crypto, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. it falls under. It's, it's currently regarded as, as a commodity. So the current regulatory landscape builds itself on the existing commodities infrastructure, which involves mm. clearinghouse, a crypto custodian, a futures exchange, as well as a kind of a, a trader of crypto, in essence, mm-hmm. which is what Toko Crypto is. What do you think that the general overall adoption of crypto has been like in Indonesia? Definitely, it has grown a lot uh, over the past couple of years, I would say. I believe back in 2018, when I first started Toko Crypto, I think the total number of users or the total number of exchange uh, exchange accounts basically people with accounts on a, on an exchange it was close to about one to two maybe 1.5 billion but right now based on what the uh, government is reporting there's close to about 6.5 million people that has has an account on a cryptocurrency exchange and that is more than the number of people that are actually on uh, the stocks exchange so wow, okay yeah uh, yeah, so the the level of penetration is of crypto is definitely a lot higher than than what it 
what it is for, uh, like I mentioned, for the traditional stock exchange. Part of which is because of the ease of ease of access, right? Because when you want to open an account on a cryptocurrency exchange or you want to open a, a cryptocurrency wallet, it's so mm-hmm. much easier. You can do it from your smartphone as compared to having to open an account on a stock exchange. And definitely there's been a lot of hype. There's been a lot of news that's going on in Indonesia. A lot of big influence starting to come into this space. I don't know if Luna Maya, one of the top, top most uh, influencer in Indonesia. She's actually creating her own NFT in mm-hmm. Indonesia. I think she has a following of like 40 million, which is like close to... 30% of uh, Indonesia's population. So yeah, definitely the adoption or the awareness of crypto is there in, in Indo with the inclusion of the influencers of Indonesia, the, with the, with the ease of access, it definitely has uh, grown to a, quite a sizable amount. Mm. And I don't know how to ask this, but where do you think that the crypto hype physically lives? Is the crypto center Jakarta? Yeah, based on the, the stats and data that we have, at least for Togo Crypto, the largest amount of people actually comes from uh, Jakarta. And after that, it, it floats down to the other tier one cities, Surabaya, Medan, Bali, of course. Mm-hmm. There, there's a big there's a big crypto nomad community in Bali. And the, the interesting and exciting thing is that I think there is a potential for to turn Bali into a crypto because of the awareness of, of people around the world of Bali as a international travel spot. It's primed to be this, this, yeah, a, this crypto hub where people can come, people can exchange thoughts, or people can build their ideas regarding blockchain projects from Bali. That's why mm. for Togo Crypto as, as well, we have already started on our plans to start building crypto hub in, in Bali. Hopefully by 2022, early 2022, we can have something with the COVID quarantine restrictions reducing, maybe you might consider coming back to Bali. Mm -hmm. uh, Oh, I would definitely consider coming back to Bali. I'm basically just waiting for you to open your border for me. That's cool. Yeah, I actually I can see what you mean. I think Bali would be a really cool, interesting spot for expats to get into crypto. Yeah. That's really cool. That's very interesting. And what is crypto adoption like in areas of Indonesia that are not tier one cities? So definitely for tier one, outside of tier one, we're looking at tier two cities, perhaps I would say maybe Malang or Makas. Yeah, it's still restricted. Like the, the, in terms of the access, people don't have that level of awareness yet. But I think definitely as part of the initiative to talk about crypto education to make sure that crypto industry in Indonesia continues to grow, right? It's the same for everywhere around the world. Education and knowledge is key. And us, we do realize that there is a need to basically build up the knowledge that people have of this industry. Because if you have a lack of knowledge, that makes you subsep- susceptible to you know scams, frauds, and hacks. We just recently heard there's a there's a big major hack that happened on one of the big cryptocurrency projects out there. It makes you susceptible to those. So in order to prevent those, we want to prevent those because mm-hmm. of with the occurrence of, of these uh, these bad uh, events, it ultimately would damage the entire people's perception of the entire of crypto. Right. Yeah. Uh, initially, yeah. crypto started as uh, people use it for money laundering. I, I believe you watched the show Startup on Netflix, the English version, where people were trying to money launder uh, through through Bitcoin. But so we just gotta 
make sure that you know we properly educate people that how do they avoid these kind of things and also properly educate business owners as well as the regulators that how do they uh, play their part to to basically ensure the the security of the space so yeah i think in terms of uh, for tier two cities yeah that's something that's lacking and that's something that we're trying to push through our outreach mm-hmm. program we created applications for people to learn about cryptocurrency in Indo. We have this app called Cryptoversity. So yeah, those are a lot of our initiatives that we're pushing out, collaborating with universities just to have a module on, on you know, mm-hmm. crypto. I think those are the things that it's pretty interesting. It's ha- and it's happening in Indo because mm-hmm. of the because of the support by the government, which we're seeing right now. Yeah, it's pretty interesting because I've not seen a country that has been so supportive of the entire movement. So we work with various different ministries, one of which is the Ministry of Industry. I'm sure you've heard Indonesia is currently going through an oxygen crisis. As of Tuesday, there's 182 hospitals that that only have 12 hours of oxygen left. So it's a crisis for Indonesia and we're trying to play our part, trying to bring in oxygen tanks and oxygen cylinders from Singapore. But Indonesia being the way it is, you've got to track it. If not, it's just going to go missing, right? Because of the mm-hmm. lack of... Uh, so we created like a blockchain tracker for the ministry to use in order to track, you know, the movement, the u- the utilization of the oxygen and basically, you know, just to help them and the and the entire process of getting oxygen to the hospitals that actually need them. Wait, it's what does that have to do with the blockchain? Oh, so it allows it to be open and transparent. So obviously for people that are donating, they want to see that the funds are being donated or the items that are being donated, i.e. the oxygen, the big ISO oxygen tanks, they're not just used for other purposes but actually used for the purpose that it was intended to. So by using the blockchain, we're able to upload it and then everyone can be able to track its location and its utilization. Oh, it's, wow. Okay, I yeah. didn't know that was possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, and on this note, I also want to you know, land a plug here. I shared a bit about the oxygen crisis and, and indoor, right? And, Anyone who's hearing this wants to donate and help. There's actually a cost that's that there's a campaign that we're currently running. It's between it's amongst uh, a group of startups in Indonesia. It's called Oxygen for Indonesia. You can check it out at oxygenforindonesia.com. We're looking to uh, raise funds to buy oxygen concentrators for Indonesia. So for whoever that's listening to the podcast, just head over there, check it out, and you know, yeah, do consider helping Indonesia. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Send me that link and I will put it in the show notes of the episode so everyone can go check that out. Cool. So the reason I was asking you about the difference between the adoption in the tier one cities versus the tier two cities is because I think that one of the things that might differ in crypto landscape between America and Indonesia is like the wealth, right? Because I mean, let's be honest, America is a more wealthy country than Indonesia is. And so in smaller cities that are more, perhaps more poverty-ish, where people don't have as much disposable income to invest into cryptocurrency, I was wondering if there was like lack of adoption in these smaller areas. Yeah. Actually, not 
the not really true because mm. to mm. enter into crypto the barriers of entry is very low in toko at 10 us dollars in order to enter and you buy in rupiah it's 20000 which you which is at 20 20000 idr rupiah which comes to about a dollar 70 in us dollars so mm-hmm. the barriers to entry is very low so we don't see that so our ticket size would of trades on the exchange which which would vary from city for lower tier cities we do still see people that are trading uh, for a smaller amount there's also this advent of this concept called play to earn i think it also initially originated from uh, the philippines this game that's really hyped there and there's this story that has been going that people over there that were unemployed because of the covid situation they couldn't find work but they turned towards this game and they were managed to earn their income. And this is something that we're seeing in Indonesia as well, especially so for tier two cities. They're coming on board because they're looking for avenues to, to earn more income, to subsidize for, for the lack of income that's coming in because of the COVID situation. Yeah, they don't need to trade crypto, but they can play, say, a crypto game and they can participate in a crypto economy to basically mm-hmm. get the rewards of crypto. So mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. That kind of goes back to what you were saying about accessibility and education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, true. what do you think? How do you? How can we make crypto more accessible to people? Yeah, obviously, and when we talk about a digital product, it's about usability, the user interface, customer experience, right? I always like to use this quote that this quote that I've heard many times. So I also like to quote it for people. Whenever you say you use the lift or you basically, yeah, there, there are things inside our lives that are powered by technology that we didn't even know existed. Do you know what powers the powers your lift when you press and how does it connect to basically how does it read that you want to go to level eight and then, you know, mm-hmm. that you know, door should open. Our vision at Toko is always that we feel that crypto is going to be here to stay. And one day people are going to be using it, living it, or crypto slash blockchain, yeah? right? People are going to be living it, using it, and they're not even going to know that it's blockchain or crypto that's powering it. Ooh. In my opinion... Yeah. It's going to be as yeah. common as elevator technology. <laughs> oh, Ooh, exciting. I believe that's the way that it should be. Once it gets to that stage, mm-hmm. people are just going to, it's going to reach uh, mass adoption. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So tell me more about Toco Crypto. How many people work for Toco Crypto? And yeah, how many people work for you? All right. So currently the organization is, uh, slightly more than a hundred and yeah we have out the, the bulk of our talent is in indonesia we do have people from outside indonesia as well singapore is one of the areas that we have quite a number of talents we have talents in vietnam and malaysia as well so yeah it's been an exciting journey trying to onboard everyone into this gigantic family that we have right now cool and as the CEO, are you also the founder? Yeah, so I'm one of the co-founders that uh, started Toko Crypto back in 2018. I'm the one that's building and mainly running the entire team, building the team, building the product. And the other co-founders have actually transitioned into a more advisory role who help 
And they have been very helpful and resourceful in assisting Toko Crypto in the form of regulatory advice, in the form of, we're, we're trying to be, we're trying to make crypto mainstream. We're trying to make crypto legitimate. We're trying to, through the institutionalization of some of the products that we have, trying to make it legit and, 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 and mainstream in Indo. So yeah, they, they advise a lot on that. We got advisors on, on tech as well, security, of course as well as marketing. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. Yeah. And when you started Togo Crypto in 2018, what was the crypto landscape like in Indonesia back then? Yeah, it was so there was previously there was a bigger player in there was a previous player as a as an exchange. It's called it was called bitcoin.co.id back then. And for us to start up the and the general landscape back then was that it was unregulated. That's the first thing. Right. The entire space was unregulated. We, we never heard of regulations around the world, I think back in 2018 even. So it was like a cowboy and people, I always heard stories of people carrying boxes of cash to, to shops just to buy cryptocurrency. And it was a very, I would say, raw stage of, and yeah, it has since transitioned out of that to become a more regulated, to become a more a cleaner environment for, for business players to, to basically run operations on. Mm. Yeah. Were you in Jakarta back then? Yep, I've always been in Jakarta, but on the early days, I've 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 had to frequently travel around Jakarta. I'm in Doha, sorry. So I've been to Medan, I've been to Malang, I've been to Jogja, Bandung, because we all have mm. uh, small offices in all those areas. We've been to Bali, and we frequent these spaces a lot, and really love these cities. And I really miss the the chance to be able to travel again within Indonesia, because right oh. now we're kind of going through a lockdown again. Yeah. Me too. Me too. I also went to Jogja and that also seems like it would be an interesting hub for crypto. There's still a lot of people there and it's very exciting. Yes. Oh, I miss Indo so much and I miss the food. Okay. Now we're going on a tangent. <laughs> okay. So as the CEO then, what do you do? Like, I always curious about what does a CEO actually do? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's gonna know the secret. <laughs> I actually sit in my office and do nothing. Uh, no, so, so as a CEO, I, I, or as all CEOs around the world and those in all corporations, I guess, and companies, I think what our responsibility is ultimately to basically guide the company as per the our vision as well as the shareholders' vision. It's a lot about thinking about what we're planning to do to get us from where we are at to the you know mm -hmm. to 10x that right to to basically but so for toko itself it's about thinking it's thinking about how we can grow the business by adding new business channel how we can add more business products to bring in more revenue in the company. That's one. We've got to think about, ultimately, a company is about growing in size, right? And then we got to think about our vision as a company or our vision of crypto as a company, which is to make it legitimate and mainstream. And in order to do that, it doesn't just fall from the skies. We have to have 
programs, we have to have outreach programs, and, and those things need to be planned. Like what, what kind of initiatives do we want to roll out? And of course, we have to think about our strategy with the regulator. So it's a lot about strategizing. How should we lobby with the regulators? We got to build close connect, close relationships with the regulators so that the regulations don't get overly too controlling. So that it will be, it will stifle the growth of the, the entire industry. Mm -hmm. So yeah, ultimately, and then of course, it's about thinking about how do we grow the team, how do we attract the top talents from you know, into Toko Crypto so that we can grow and achieve our vision and our mission. And then it's a lot about metrics, looking at data, yeah. seeing how how certain campaigns or certain business lines are performing and then we got to step in if, if there needs to be an intervention we we'll step in if there's if there's a need that we say we need to basically try something new it's not working right now we try something new things like that and and yeah that's basically it's a lot of fun i get to get to really outreach with a lot of you get to network with other business owners as well yeah mm -hmm. so yeah. Okay, let's talk about what goes into creating your strategy then, because it, you make it seem very easy. So what kind of thought processes and what kind of resources do you need to tap into or, or in order to create a strategy? Growth strategy. So mm -hmm. I think first thing first is to understand the state of the and the data and resources that you would require to understand the state of the company. You will need naturally you need data metrics, the weekly active traders on Toko Crypto for me at least. You need to know the weekly active traders, you know what's the trading volume, you'd say what's the number of registrations that's coming in per month. Mm -hmm. We need to know where are these people coming from. And yeah, so that's the first thing. We need to know where we are, right? In order to plan. We need to know where yeah. we are. The second thing is that we need to know where the industry is. So industry-wide metrics, like like what I mentioned, how what's the total number of uh, users there are within Indonesia that's part of the industry? Mm. Wait, um, can I pause for a second? What but, metrics are you looking at? Are you looking at only Indonesian metrics? Yeah, for Toko Crypto, okay. it's yep. Indonesian metrics. Okay, uh, okay. got so, it. Continue. Yeah, the the part if you want for for global metrics, we'll we'll look mm -hmm. at. Uh, TKO token, because we have the TKO token as well as part of the Toko Crypto ecosystem, mm. but that's another story. So for Toko Crypto, yeah, we look at the Indonesian metrics. We look at where yeah. the industry, we look at what the government sentiment is currently leaning more towards too. So if it's more mm -hmm. positive, then we definitely can ride away from that. If it's more neutral, then we've got to have a wait and see approach. If it's a negative sentiment, then we've got to take precautionary measures. And so yeah, the, first we get to know where we are at. And then next is to identify what's the potential of growth, right? First, you got to identify the potential before we can, if we, if there are 260 million people in Indo and we, and we, and we strategize that we want to get a billion users from Indo, that's not possible. So we got to know what's the potential of growth in Indo. What's the demographics of people? What's the, the lower lying fruits that we can identify so that we can quickly bring them on board into the crypto industry. From there, then we can plan say, okay, it takes it takes X amount of time in order to bring Y amount of people onto the ecosystem. And then from there, we can strategize as to how much we're willing to spend, how much time we're willing to spend. And we got to do, because it doesn't mean that the more money we spend equals more 
users coming in. There's always going to be a law of diminishing, diminishing returns. You can't just yep. throw a lot of money in and you're just not going to get effective. So we got to plan it out. We got to think about how we should spend each month in order to draw people in. And of course, incent- we got to incentivize through educational materials. We got to incentivize through marketing campaigns. So yeah, so ultimately that balances out into, it's a balance about how much we spend against our metrics. So we got to plan it out. Yeah. So we, we will have we will have a forecast of uh, spend and we'll have a forecast of, of the metrics that we're uh, tracking. And then month on month, we'll be able to track and see how's the company growing, how's the market and in- industry responding to the efforts that we're doing. And we got to keep doing it every month. We just got to keep doing it every month, keep finding out more data points, and then just got to keep having this entire thought process over and over again. Yeah. So... On a day-to-day basis, how do you organize your thoughts? Like, actually, how? Via email, via a spread, giant spreadsheet? Like, what are you doing to organize all of those different moving parts in your mind? I think uh, Google Calendar is the greatest invention ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so all of my... So I'm just looking at my calendar right now. So all of my all of my meetings are all spread out, and and basically just one look, it's I can see that there is I have daily calls that actually looks at the daily metrics of Toco because on week on week basis we are running a campaign. So through these daily calls, we are able to measure the basically the metrics that's coming from each campaign. So yeah, my typical day starts off from looking at the previous day metrics and then. To review based on the campaign results, and then we we'll naturally transition into more meetings, meetings with uh, regulators or meetings with potential investors, and then there would be interviews and podcasts and and webinars and and TV shows that that we we, we have to you know participate in order to push awareness, uh, PR awareness of, of Toko Crypto as well. And I look forward to Fridays the most because the the bigger team comes together online because right now we can't meet face to face and I have not seen like 95% of my guys for the past one and a half years. So yeah, Yeah. Fridays is when we all congregate and we have a weekly call. We can, you know, just catch up. Via what? Via, of course, Google Meet. (laughs) Google me, okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm really I'm really looking forward to when, you know, this whole thing when this whole thing subsides. Perfect. I've bought a I've bought a barbecue pit and I'm ready to mingle with my my guy. Wow, cool. Ooh, would you fly them all to Jakarta? I hope there's an opportunity for that. It's nice to catch up. It's nice to have that face to face interaction. It's just something mm-hmm. that yeah, Google Meet cannot replace. Yep. Yeah, I am definitely missing it as well. And I too have not met any of the people that I work with <laughs> because <laughs> I joined this company in the pandemic and we're color remote. So it's very interesting to not have that face-to-face interaction. Yeah. And that's why I think it's interesting because Indonesia is so spread out like across so many yeah. different islands and not having one central hub like America does in the sense of the Bay Area, maybe. I have no idea. I'm Canadian. Like maybe the Bay Area is like their big hub of like tech and to have Jakarta be the big hub of tech and yet it's like on an island and then there's like the whole country is on 
all different islands. Like, how do you get to each other? I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's interesting. I think Indonesia, I think it's the most geographically decentralized country. I don't know if I got that fact. Oh. Well, no. 15,000 islands. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's crazy. So many islands. All right, Kai. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. I had a blast. I learned a lot about Indonesia crypto that I didn't know before. And I hope I can come and visit you one day. We can eat some nasi goreng, talk in my limited Indonesian bahasa that I know. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much for joining the podcast. If we want to find you and what you're working on online, where can Sure. I think the best place you can look for us is you can check me out on not check me out you can look up you can look me up uh, on twitter you can go uh, twitter my name pang shirakai or you can twitter toko cryptos uh twitter handle or tko tokens uh twitter handle and then you'll be able to connect with us to find out more we're on telegram as well but just make sure that you join the legit group and yeah make sure you join the legit Twitter handles. I think that's very important. There's a lot of fraudsters of Instagram, of Twitter that's going on. So yeah, make sure that okay, you Okay, great. I will put that official link in the show notes of the episode so that everyone can go check it out. And if you like this episode of the Hacker Dune podcast, don't forget to like it, share it, and subscribe to it and share it with all of your friends. You can find us online at Hacker Noon. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever. And this episode was produced by Hacker Noon. It was hosted by me, Amy Tom, and edited by your lovely audio wizard, Alex. Stay weird, and I'll see you on the internet. Bye-bye. Hacker Noon Podcast.